Yo, 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 this is the Committee Podcast. It's your boy AC3 Savage, uh, better known as Adolphus, uh, kicking it live and direct like we always do. You know the motto, we ain't doing nothing, we just kicking it. Uh, shout out to my boys that are out of office for the day. We got Marcus Sniffles, we got uh, Choppa, I'm so sorry, and of course, the homie SB Reports. Anyway, so like I always say, we're always like the, the Wu-Tang Clan Wow, root, ah, shit, hold on. We're always like the Wu-Tang clan out here. So I came along with a couple of people, one new person, a couple of people that have been on the podcast before. So back by popular demand, shout out to Lauren for coming on today. Uh, we got John. I missed you Hey. Sorry. And then, of course, we got the favorite, uh, Mr. Ron as well. So um, thank up? you all for being on there. Um, y'all got any shout outs or anything you like to do at this point um just shout out to uh well my family um they're probably going to be listening to this as soon as i get done um and also don't forget uh, to follow me at john sells re uh, on facebook.com uh, that's my uh that's my business that i have right now i'm a realtor um here in northeast florida so make sure you follow me over there um and just like my uh, page I'm going to give a shout out to me, man. It's, it's the birthday week. So Libra gang gang. Um, also, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the big three, five. So, you know, also I want to, you know, give a shout out to uh pop belly poppies. Man. If y'all want to go on Instagram and follow pop belly underscore poppies, uh, you'll definitely see a lot of great eats and a lot of different restaurants that you might want to try if you're in the Jacksonville or Tampa area. Yeah, I just want to shout out Marcus and Elle. I've missed you guys. Sad that you guys aren't here today. Hopefully we can all get together on a later podcast. Yes, that is definitely right. Uh, shout out to SB Reports. Um, so what we will do, uh, we'll go ahead and do some things early. I'm going to just start the show off. Uh, I'm actually going to pass it to the newcomer. Uh, John has something he wants to say about the Fair Play Act. Hey, how you doing, guys? Uh, so basically, um, what got me interested about the Fair Play Act is the fact that like a lot of college students, uh, Division One college students, uh, play for these colleges and they put their body on the line. And all, all of them, most of them don't get any monetary relief like the only thing that they get is you know of education and that is they play um there's always some speculations in their contract to going into the school especially when they get uh you know their um uh, the opportunity to work at uh like work out at the colleges or play for the colleges especially for like football players and basketball players uh or like swimmers or anything of the sports in division one and California right now has voted 73 to zero to a proposal law for Fair Play Act, uh, which will make the, uh, which will make it illegal for California universities to revoke athlete scholarships, um, or eligibility, uh, for taking money. So that means like the NCAA, if they're using their jerseys, like number three or something like that, um, for one of their most famous players out there, uh, and they're selling it, that money uh, or some of the money is going to go to that co- uh, to the college and some of the money is going to go to the player because obviously they're using their likelessness. Obviously, without these kids playing, these colleges wouldn't really have that much money to fund, like, you know, their their stadiums or their program or anything like that. So they're basically using some of the uh, they're using these kids 
um, and their likenesses and their athletic ability. Um, and some of them are even saying that they're exploiting them um, for the college gains, especially right now, since a lot of these kids do not get any of that money. So that's something that's been like on my radar for a couple of days now that I've been looking at that because I can see like California basically being like, you know, the head, the, the spearhead of this, uh, this movement and then pushing other states to kind of do the same thing. And I think they should. I mean, I know, um, like we had kind of touched on the Tebow thing before. And I remember like, uh, like me being a Florida Gator fan, the number 15 was a very popular Jersey. The number one, I mean, it's been a lot of number ones, right. but especially when Percy Harvin had an extremely popular Jersey right. or, you know, you'll just have like a great college player that may get injured. They can't make it to the pros. And then, you know, the college is making so much money off of them. And I understand that, hey, a college education can run you about $60,000, seventy, eighty, a dollars $100,000. But these college programs are making millions of dollars, you know, off of these kids' likeness. Likeness. likeness I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, like one of the things, like even look like Towson, they just played Florida. As we're recording Sunday, they just played them Saturday. Mm-hmm. They quickly made six hundred to six hundred thousand to a million dollars. Yeah, you can't spread that around to somebody on the team. You know, like I, I knew players that played, and these guys, I mean, they'd be freaking starving after death. You know, or doing what they have to do to feed themselves. And you're looking around, like think of yourself as like a person from Alabama. You got Nick Saban bringing in seven, eight million dollars a year, multiple homes, fancy cars, uh, the the best of clothes if he chooses and you're busting your behind for this dude and you're around here struggling to eat Chick-fil-A, you know, while he's out eating filet mignon. So it's definitely something that they should do. I mean, I don't, I can't really put like a number on how much they should give them, but it should be, they should be compensated somehow. Like it's ridiculous. Right. It's like, like, I feel like they should give him like, not like, not like, professional status like you know millions and millions of dollars because it's not going to kind of like you know they're going to choose california to go over there like these like a-star players are going to be like well i'm going to go over to california instead of lsu or syracuse or florida but at least give them like a living wage you know what i'm saying like like if if they're playing they're putting their bodies on the line and and they're giving their best and all that stuff at least give them like you know like 12 dollars an hour or 16 dollars an hour or something like that you know what i'm saying hour? are you kidding so I was just looking up just some numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And so it says that the NCAA last year with the March Madness tournament, they brought in $1.29 billion just in television and revenue. Um, and it says they made $1.1 billion in revenue alone in 2017. So $12 an hour just seems almost like a slap in the face. Maybe they can come up with something to where, like, if they play all four years, they walk away based on stats with twenty million. Like it's not gonna. Okay, not, that, not, that's a lot. But I mean, I get you. <laughs> but they're doing they're doing the same they're doing the exact same job that people in the NFL, people in the NBA do. And in fact, sometimes the college rules are a lot more stringent. And they're doing that on top of going to school, having to maintain good grades. Like it's they're doing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Yeah. So why why this is even still a thing? 
Now, you mentioned food, Adolphus, and in the article that I was reading, it was saying that, you know, that really isn't an issue anymore just because now, based on the way the scholarships and the stipends are done, they get plenty of meals. I think some of them get, like, unlimited meals a day. But as far as having a life and being able to go out and do, you know, other things that cause life, they don't really have the money to do any of it. So I, I don't know. It just seems like they ought to come up with something to where – I agree. Obviously, if you get hurt, you shouldn't lose your scholarship. But also, if you play four years at college level, at the end of it, you know, whether you get into the pros, whether you don't, you should have a couple of millions set away from me for you, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I really think that they should be able to get paid. I mean, it, it should be maybe some type of a cap. Maybe it shouldn't exceed, you know, 60000 100000 Yeah, that's what I was feeling. That year. And then the rest of the money should be put in some type of uh some type of account to where okay once they uh leave that school they should be able to access it. Um, I, I really do think it's kind of bad that yeah the coaches are making all the money but the players are putting in all the work you know and also you know the money that they are bringing in, in college football they they're breaking in money hand over fist and people are trying to bring up the argument oh what about baseball what about swimming. Well, if people want to watch baseball and people want to watch swimming, I guess they'll get that type of money. But nobody wants to see that. Well, you know, these college basketball players and football players well, are really raking well, in the dough. Well, let me I mean, let me honestly, they're not they're not seeing any benefits from it the way. Uh, well, let me let me jump on that one because that thing that there's a professional. Go ahead. There's a professional sport. Then they should be compensated. Well, like, like that's the thing. Like, and I agree with you. Let me like jump on that one because I understand that there's college football and college basketball, and then obviously there's college baseball and softball because a lot of people do watch that too. But they're out of let's say out of a professional swimmer or a pro uh, or 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 a professional softball team. Have you ever seen on any of that? So like, when you kind of like you kind of see these games and these girls are actually playing or these people are actually doing these things. Most of these, like kind of like these, like not weird sports, but off sports that they compete like in uh, like, like, like professional levels outside of that institution, the educational institution, there is no venue for them to go to. So they do their four years and they give their best and all that stuff. And they get no monetary relief whatsoever because outside of that, what markability do they have as a professional softball player? Or a swimmer, unless they become an Olympic swimmer. Well, they, and, and, and go ahead. Yeah, the only caveat to that is like with softball—well, not softball, but like with baseball and swimming—they can turn pro at sixteen, you know, or just whenever they can get drafted early, and they are already getting compensation. With the NFL, I mean, or, or the NBA, you have to wait a certain time from before you can get that money. Um, one of the things that I was going to bring up is like, I was looking at something just as far as college football is concerned. And I think this would be a very competitive wage. Uh, practice squad players, they make about $8,000 a week. Mm. That totals to $136,000 a season. To me, that's fair. Like I was looking up Ohio state has over a hundred thousand seats in their stadium. They're always sold out. If you're doing that by $80 a pop, you're sitting at $8 million without even TV being in there. Like, it's just ridiculous. Right. And like, and, and there's another, like Forbes actually hit, um, like if you go to Forbes.com and look up like, uh, um, Cecilia Towers 2019 or California play at could be a financial win for females athletes. They're talking about like all these female athletes that compete 
in the Olympics, like um, doing like uh, uh, figure skating or things like that, that or tumbling and stuff like that, that they don't have any other um, venue to go to after they graduate high school, after they get out of uh, not high school, I'm sorry, out of college, after they get out of the colleges, because there is nothing out there for them to monetarily, financially give them, you know, what they need to live life outside of college. So like now, especially with the Olympics, you know, doing like the, the, the tumbling and doing all that stuff, um, that's actually getting like a lot of uh, heat right now of where like all these girls are doing great. And then when they graduate, there's nothing there for them. They, they, they can come back and maybe be coaches or something. Like that, and that's some big maybe um, for them. So, Hey, they can come back and maybe second. be coaches or something, like that, and that's some big maybe um, for them. So, like I was saying before, like for Olympic gold medalists who debut their, they get debut when they're 16 or 17 years old. Um, they don't earn anything outside of their college institution because, like, there's no opportunities for them to do that or to compete again, and like in an athletic situation for them to you know keep going so that this more helps out these instead of like you know football players and basketball players and baseball players it helps out like softball players uh gymnasts um sw like your swimmers all these things so they can actually have something like how um how lauren said have something for them like saved up when they get done with a four-year college that they went to and then they at least have something to live off of from their so, likelessness and their what i want to ask is so you feel um a gymnast should get like the same type of stipend as like Tua from alabama or you know like that's that's what i want to know like how do you how do you gauge who gets more or what but because it, I, I mean honestly I mean, I get it. You know, you still get something. I, I feel like everybody should get something. But I'm sure Tua will be bringing a lot more people to Alabama and bringing Alabama a lot more revenue. And that revenue is bringing a lot more revenue for the NCAA versus a gymnast. And so, like, should they all get the same amount of money or should it be based upon who you are and what you've done with your sales, with your um what's you know what's been helping out the college like how did how did they how would you think they would want to break that down because i don't think it would be fair um a little gymnast gets the same amount of money as someone who really Damn, brought in a, a lot of revenue gymnast? for college <laughs> oh man wait did you say a little gymnast i mean i i mean to be honest with you i don't know who they are like I'm, you don't know them until they hit the olympics and also when they go to the olympics they're representing themselves they're not representing the college when they go to the olympics or something so you know if this Dominique Dawes or this is Olympics, such a... You're representing it, more than a college. You're representing your whole country. It's aside just first. from that, that's, that's, that's the uh, obvious. I'm talking about the actual person. You know, they're actually getting endorsements at this point, which is money, uh, versus the college player. It ain't, no, it ain't no Olympics for a football player. I mean, like... I, I, you know, so if you if you if you don't if you don't go past college that's, football, that's your, those are you, the if you wind up, like, if you wind up, if you wind up somewhere like how uh, Marcus Lattimore did, who played for South Carolina? Who tore up his knee? If he didn't luckily have Lloyd's of London, that dude would just be have have a messed up leg and no money. Well, I mean, they, they it, so 
how would they balance well, like, it out? It goes. It goes. Well, like it goes by what? seasons, though. Like, like you know, like most of the Olympics. I mean, I know that these Olympics girls and uh, gymnasts and swimmers and all that stuff. They're they're practicing year year round. So they're constantly doing these things for these colleges. But, you know, like right now, we're what? In the football season. In March, we're going to be in the basketball Mm -hmm. season. In the summer, we're going to be doing what? We're going to either be doing baseball or softball, or most of the time they're going to be doing some kind of like gymnast things or things like that. So, like, I understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I understand that this person is playing in a football league like this. And they're bringing so much revenue, but let's say like, uh, like let, let's just put out a name like Missy Franklin, um, that was a five-time Olympic gold medalist. Like, like would she, would she get paid as much as like the number one player at like let's say UCLA in the football game or a football player or not? You see what I'm saying? I think that's I think it's an easy question. I think it's a easy question to answer though. So pay is going to be based off of how much that sport even in itself brings into the college. Like if, and we can don't, don't have to use gymnastics. We can use football and baseball, for instance. If football is bringing in a billion dollars, whereas baseball is bringing in, you know, 500 million, of course the pay skills are not going to be the same. I think that's an easy question. It should be based off your performance, your stats, and then, of course, overall, how much money that sport brings into yeah. the college. So no, the answer. No, is and be I, the and same. I agree with that. It wouldn't be the same. So that's something that they have to like. You know, the institution themselves has to do the like. You know, their due diligence and and you know get people to come in and be like, hey, how are we going to split this up? How are we going to do this? If we're going to go ahead and go and pay these kids their 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 monetary release and everything like that, how are we going to? split this up because like I'm like like how you were saying this if if you have somebody that's playing football and then somebody is playing baseball you're not obviously you're not going to pay them the same across the board like that so they need to have like some kind of like percentage and everything like that well, on that yeah but I just don't want to pretend like uh gymnastics is a lot less important or it's not as dangerous it's in fact probably more dangerous uh I mean than I'm football, I'm also no, and yeah, and, and that's just... great that you brought that up. I'm not saying that they shouldn't get paid that because these like um like like what he said earlier was that uh, like they're representing themselves. Yeah, they're representing themselves. They're giving themselves you know opportunities to put their name out and all that stuff. But outside of that, outside of all that, what are they gonna do when they're outside of their their you know their their institution, their educational institution? They put their bodies on the line. For something like UCLA or something like every 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 athlete every athlete put their body on the line, and even if it's not football season, I know plenty of people that play college football and they get hurt before the season even starts, and they're sometimes you can exactly. lose a scholarship according to how everything and, goes. and that's what I was saying that they, they that. shouldn't they these kids should get some monetary relief regardless like if they they play right. Yeah, they should have some protections in place. I I think we're all right. in agreement. That and then they should have some. And then you get somebody like and, and oh, my, yeah. I had I had a lot of respect for Tim Tebow, and then I saw him on ESPN, um, literally getting on a heated battle with with the talk show host saying that he did that because of the love of the sport and what represented what he represented to that college because. His grandparents wanted him to go there. His dad wanted him to go there. 
and all that stuff. And they should not, these kids should not get paid and everything. And it's, and I kind of like, I kind of winced at that because I kind of looked him up for like, looked up for him as a, like, as an athlete. And I wanted to be something like that. And then you come up and do that and say, well, these kids shouldn't get paid. They should just be happy to be able to pay for an institution like that. And I'm like, it's easy for him to say that. It's easy for him to say that when he grew up, um, he grew up pretty well. His parents wasn't hurting for a thing before he made it to the league. And some of the some of the guys he might have played pop one football with in, at Lakeshore and when he played at Nice, some of those guys didn't have the same situation as he and for him to say that, you know, he only talking from his experience, but his parents might have been all gators and grandparents with gators and they donate to the school or something. Who knows? But you can't he can't sit there and compare his situation to everybody else's because these guys don't have anything or their mama might have gave them her last just for them to be able to even make it to the school to even, you know, play football or whatever. So you never know how the people's situation goes. It's it was disappointing to hear him talk like that yeah. because it's like so he only seeing from So you saw you saw what I was talking about? You, did you see that interview that he did? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Right. And I'm like and I'm sitting there I'm like there's the a lot of little kids that look up to you right now like you're basically like a legend over there at Florida. So like at University of Florida, you're a legend at the Gators and you coming to like, you know, these kids that want to be like you or want to be better than you. And you're already kind of like telling them, it's like, don't do that because that's not cool. Like that, that's not great. So now you're going to have these kids kind of like second guessing themselves about how, what they need to do and all that stuff instead of actually looking out for themselves. Yeah, of course you're representing the institution and be proud of that. Be proud of that school that you're going to because they chose you or you chose that school. But at the same time, these kids, especially like the minorities, is is that needs to be protected with these big institutions like that. Like protect yourself, protect your body, protect the, what you are, because you are worth a lot, man. You are worth a lot. And especially for these colleges, they're picking you for a reason. Definitely. They're picking you because you're going to be a money. You're going to be a money machine for them. So mm-hmm. why should you not get? Yeah. So why should you not yeah, get? A monetary relief from that. Why should you not go up on the table and be like, okay, cool. If I play for you for four years and I give you the best of my best, I need to see at least, you know, 200,000 in my bank, in my savings when I come out or something like that. Like, like, or make it something to where they can negotiate and be like, okay, let's negotiate what we want to do. And when they have to give up their Christmases and all this to go play a bowl game instead of getting some free chicken and some Beats headphones. Yeah, they it, need it, some money, you know, like. <laughs> well, you know what? My, just just wrapping things up on this subject real quick. Uh, I think we all know that um, college is essentially <laughs> a scam and it's running yeah. well. Um, yeah, it's I do, some right, nice pimps over there. Yeah, it, it is. It's a scam and it is played well. So I'm going to use that to segue into the the next thing, which is going to be, I had a topic about uh, scammers. So, and there are many different types of scammers out there. Um, Me and John had a quick conversation before the podcast had uh, come on. And I remembered like a certain situation that I had that was similar to the situation that you're talking about where, you know, I got this, um, I was on Indeed search for jobs, a little part-time job. And I saw something, actually somebody hit me up and was saying like a part-time insurance salesman 
you know, you can make up to, to like $100,000 a year if you put in the work, blah, blah, blah. Then they were like, yeah, all you have to do is uh, send Ooh. us the money and we'll send you Ooh. your fingerprints and your drug test. And they wanted like $50. And I was like, why would I pay you guys $50 to get a urine sample and a fingerprint? Like, that didn't make sense. So I didn't fall for it. Or like... And I mean, shout out to my people in Nigeria that do uh, check out the podcast. We definitely like you. You know, we love y'all. But they'll definitely like I had a guy. I- I'm not even gonna bring that up because you know what? Shout out to you. But you'll have people that'll say, hey, you know, well, I'm a Nigerian prince. Uh, I just need my passport and I'll come and the riches are yours. Send me two thousand dollars. And as you guys know, you know, like older people or even people that aren't as sharp on things will actually do oh. this. Like uh, at the company I work for, I work in fraud and I see this every day, somebody getting scammed out of some sort of money or even just the low level scams. Um, I had an ex-girlfriend. I was telling her what they do is you can go on Amazon and you can buy $10,000 in movie money, which is going to come in straight blue face hundreds for $22. You hop online, you shoot your videos with the money and stuff like that. You take pictures outside of Maseratis or this and this and that. And then now people are attracted and they're thinking, oh, well, shoot, well, they're living this lifestyle so I can live this lifestyle too. Or like they'll take pictures of somebody else, you know, looking out of like a window or something like that, overlooking Dubai or uh, sanitary Greece or just wherever. And so what ends up happening is now that they see that money, you know, they're thinking, oh, well, shoot, if you made it, I can make it. Okay, I'm going to give you my debit card information and my card account and let you do this check fraud. And then all they do is really just drain your account out and keep your money. I mean, it's not much to be made. They just pull whatever it is out of your matrix and just kind of dip. But um, first, I would like to ask, and I'll go with, uh, we'll start out with the lady, Lauren. Have you ever been scammed or had experience with a scammer? Hell no. It's too smart to be scammed. Um, let me think about, have I ever had, no, uh-uh. Nope. All right, so then we'll kick it to Ron. Ever scammed, had a scammer? I was, it was an attempt on the scam. Uh. Actually, just recent, it was a job I applied for for MetLife uh, through one of those job sites. I don't want to give them no free shout out. But, um, <laughs> of course, you know, I filled out the application. And then that days later, I get an email back. And, hey, follow these steps. And we're going to schedule a phone interview. Uh, we're trying to hire. We're trying to do a mass hire in your local area and all this crap. And then, of course, it. Once you get towards the end of this phone interview, then they start talking about them wanting you to pay money. I said, man, once I heard them say that, I already knew what time it was. It's, it's scam time. There's just no way in the hell you're supposed to pay any money when you're trying to get money to, uh, you know, take care of your everyday needs. And so, of course, um, that's starting to become very likely on these, like, Monster.com, Career Builders. It's it's annoying, man. Like, and if you don't be careful, if you don't, if you're not sharp enough, of course, somebody will fall for it and send fifty dollars or a hundred dollars for you know for nothing because you're gonna lose your bread. And I guess they do that all day long. So I guess if you get five people a day, you make five hundred bucks a day yeah. scamming people out of money overseas or wherever. You're at. 
yeah. I don't know where you guys are, but there was this scam. This guy, this guy I went to school with, Alfonso. Oh, wow. Uh, just called me out, but okay. Oh, I didn't say his last name. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't know. I mean, that's sorry. a very, yeah, okay. Uh, Alfonso <laughs> is his alias, guys. It's not his real name anyway. Um, but he was this photographer. And so people were like paying him half to book him and stuff like that. Or in some cases, he even took people's pictures. They never got their pictures back and or he never showed up. So he was getting all this money. He was actually on News for Jack, too. Yeah, he was um, here locally he was in Jacksonville, going. right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess he started um, trying to scam people because I even got a message from him that was like, Hey, my grandmother's really ill. She's on her deathbed. I need to see her before she dies. If you can just lend me a hundred dollars, I can get a ticket. Yeah, yeah, just like read it and <laughs> and keep going. So, I, like I said, I've never been scammed, but I guess it's not it's not hard to get scammed. I guess it's easy depending on what the scam is. I think that the ones that you guys are talking about is like, okay, red flags. Why do I have to pay you? You know, the work. Blah 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 blah. But then there are some out there where you're looking for a service. I feel like those are the people that, you know, pull off scams the most because you want to deposit and then you never show up or you don't do quality work. So yeah. people be out here getting scammed um, left and right, but. Yeah, yeah, that farm's got a lot of that writing bad checks too, man. Yeah. <laughs> 2019? <laughs> yeah, he was paying people with uh, paper checks. Oh, man. He was paying people with paper checks. <laughs> Shut up, yeah. Might be my cousin, Adolphus Alfonso. You never know my scam. Man. Scam likely out here, man. Yeah, yeah so John, what about you? you I, ever, I, I you did know, have experiences with- before. Um, like, this might be like 2016. Um, it, like, you're going on Indeed or whatever, or I think ZipRecruiter is the one that, like, really does that stuff now. So basically, that give you, like, this vague... Um, like you apply for this job, they give you like this vague kind of thing about it and be like earn thousands a month or whatever um, by being a sales or being a a manager or some sort of like that. So, you know, it, it spikes your interest. You're like, let me see what's going on. It's, it's ZipRecruiter, you know, it's it, it's a legit business. It's a legit website. So you go in there and you put your information and all that stuff. And they're like, well, click here to um, so you can put your you know, your social security and all that stuff. So you can have like this clearance or some crazy convoluted thing like that, you know, so red flags start going off right there. You know what I'm saying? So you, you kind of like look it in into it and you start like researching Google and be like, Hey, this website just told me to like put my re uh, you know, my social security number in there and all that jazz. And all of a sudden you see all these reviews. There's like, Oh, it's a scam. Don't do this. Don't do that. I did this over here in Tennessee and they told me that, that I was going to get this like, $50,000 job and I put in my social and now like, you know, their information is out there in the web. So like I almost fell into it because I, I, I needed, you know, the job. But then I was like, the red flags were kind of coming up and I was like, all right, let me Google this and see what it's going, what it's about. And I mean, I didn't fall for it. So they're, they're out there, man. And they, they like with my, with my business line of business that I have, um, with my other job, I see that all the time too. Like how they're saying this, like, oh, earn up to this much and much and much. Call this number WhatsApp. That's another thing that they're using WhatsApp now. So they're like, call this number on WhatsApp <laughs> and ask for more information. And you're like, oh, well, you tag that as like, you know, employment, deceptive employment and all that stuff. So like you're, you know, it's, it, 
it, they're getting smarter out there, man. Especially like in like and shout out to India. I'm not saying like you guys do it all the time, but damn, man, like most of the time is you guys are doing that crap. Over there in India, they're like they're calling you up, <laughs> and we're like, "Hey, Mister Jonathan or Mister Delacruz <laughs> or something like that." Like, uh, we saw that you wanted to do this, 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 and that, and you're like, "Um, I don't know who, who, who are you again? Like, what do you want from me now?" So, but you know what? I think the biggest scammers. They probably need to do a whole podcast on this one day. The biggest scammers are these Google businesses oh, out here fucking over people man. who have bad credit. So you have your buy here, pay here, now. buy here. Don't, like the interest on those things, the the, oh, the rent centers, your payday loans, like that is the ultimate, like taking advantage of people who are in bad situations. And they screw they your credit up real bad too if you don't pay them back. Them. So. Oof. Devote devote a podcast to uh, <laughs> uh, uh, building credit strategies. Oh yeah, who are them damn help. people that's calling everybody lately too, man? That's getting everybody's phone number that's like almost identical to yours. Like who are I they? Have like, no are, they, idea. are those like this little scam things those, too? Or is anybody? Yeah, I get that all the time. Like a, an extended and they're like either car? like. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my and they're god. like they're like from Green Coast Springs <laughs> or like <laughs> Keystone Heights. And I'm, who the hell do I know from over there? Yeah. It, it'll always be something nearby, like Old Middleburg. I'm like, yeah, I get that too. I'm I mean, of course, that, man. I still have the local number to Jax, so I like get like a like my the beginning of my number is nine zero four four three four. So I get a call that's like nine zero. 904434 and then it'll be hey your your disability check or hey your uh something <laughs> your social security number is about to be disabled or hey the IRS look for you. No, the, the, like, the biggest bro, one that I used about? to see when I used to work for T-Mobile was something is like oh your um your phone has a virus and you need to pay $500 for us to unlock your phone because right now your phone is locked and you see these old people coming into our oh, store and be like, I just paid $500 to these people. My phone is still not unlocked. And all they needed to do was close the windows because they have like 30,000 windows open because they've been looking at these other things. And then they, 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 they fall into that loop or they fall into that scam. They pay the $500 thinking that their phone is going to be unlocked when the phone was already unlocked anyway. So, so. Mm. All people are. Oof, let me not talk about the elderly, but oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, man, like those those uh those calls that I get all the time about the damn uh, when she mentioned the uh your auto yeah. uh auto auto warranty being extended. That's the most mm-hmm. annoying one right now to me because I'm so tired of getting those calls. I'm like, bro, leave me alone. Like it, you get you get those calls so often and so it's so annoying and it, it comes at the wrong time every time. You thinking you might be getting a call about something important. You pick it up and then you <laughs> right. get this person on the line. You just yeah. want to go slap off because it's just like, man, y'all don't shut the hell up with this. Like, you know, like, ain't nobody worried about no auto loan. Well, there's a website. So I think there's a website that you can go to <laughs> and put your 
yeah, no more robo or something like that, and put your phone in there. No more robo, right? So they don't call you because if they do call you, they're liable to get. Uh, you know, you can sue them for that. Right. Well, I'm going to get sued like, then. Like it's every year you got to do that every year like because I'm every year some new thing. Like if you look at your like this coming out of experience working with T-Mobile. If you look at like your your yearly thing, it's not a contract, but they change certain rules in there. So you got to pay attention to that. And most of the time is that that you like the do not call list. They kind of like lift that band up and then all of a sudden it's open season on your phone. Well, I put y'all on one more thing now. Whenever tax time rolled through, they have these these people that call out and they'll act like they're part of they're from the uh, Social Security Administration. Oh yeah, that's one else. Oh that that one that one's so serious. Like I really do feel like with no, that, it got to be serious? someone on the inside that be giving out people information on top of that, man. Cause nah, cause I, I'm I'm be honest with you. I'll tell you why. This time, like um, just to let you in on something, like you know, I got a family member who receives uh social security and so it's not even tax time as soon as the the, the everything went through with that guess who i get a call mm. from that fake number again about social security same thing happened mm. last time whenever we filed and so it's not it's not the real social security because of course i'll go online i get the real number i call to confirm if there's anything that's needed of course they say no i feel like it might be like a little inside job on that but it's sad because I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably gave out some information and probably lost some big money in the process, man, which is very, very it's scary. It's so many data breaches, it. though. It's the, all of our information is just out there floating. With the amount of data breaches that we've had, you know, you have your credit information is out there, your phone number's out there. And we, you know, they'll change your credit card number, but no one ever, but you're not going to change your phone mm. number every time there's like a data breach. It's just well, ridiculous. That's what, that's what gets me though with these companies like Equifax and TransUnion and the other, and the other one that I always keep forgetting, like so much money that they get from us. How, how are you so easily being able to get hacked? Yeah. They put their money in their pockets instead of into technology. Hey, exactly. You guys are right. Exactly right. They are constantly getting breached. And shout out to all the hackers out there. If y'all really want to be a scammer and uh, want to breach something, <laughs> uh, give Navient a call. Give Sally May. I'm tired of right their answers too. Um, anyway, so say, hey. Hey, they are the biggest fan, but segueing into the next subject. So Ron is going to tell us a little bit about street codes. I got a question about that, man. Like, I'm always been wondering, you know how you hear about, you hear people talking about, oh, y'all know the street rules when you're a street person. You, if if you get caught snitching, you know what it is. Because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the whole Takashi 6 9 thing going, I keep hearing a lot of people that, you know, that are really respected, I guess, when it comes to not just street stuff, but like when it comes to like uh, bettering yourself as African-Americans, like uh, I'd say my son, the general, uh, he was talking about, you know, street code and street violation. But what makes someone, you know, a street person? Is it because you grew up in that type of environment? Because it seems like if, if a innocent person that's not doing anything, dealing with drugs or um, they might be like an upstanding citizen, but they just live in a bad area. 
it seemed like they automatically is put into this whole street thing. And so I understand the whole Takashi thing. That dude was just going out there letting it all fly with, inside the courtroom, telling on everybody, including the, probably telling his mama if he had to. But um, I want to know, like, what is the real street code? What is it? What is it you're not supposed to be doing? Is it real or street rules? Like, what is the street code aside from not snitching? Like, what? Who? Who's all involved in that? What? What does that entail? I always kind of wonder because you know, there's people that die about this and stuff, this type of stuff all the time. Um, and so if I grew up in a bad area and if, even if I'm not involved in crime, am I automatically put into that category where if, if I seen a rape, if I called the police and told them, Hey, it was a rape or something happened and this is the person who did it. Am I snitch? Am I banned? And will my family get, you know, you know, guns pulled on them and maybe shot? Like, how does that work? Like, so I'm kind of wondering, what is the real street I mean, code at this point? Because I don't think there's no real rules and go to ahead, the streets. Lauren, I'm gonna jump I think on. it's just right. a whole bunch of talk. So, one rule I feel like is universal, right? I think it's the mm-hmm. difference between your street code and then these un- well, these universal. I feel like snitching is a universal thing, right? Snitches get stitches, whatever. Don't be a tattletale. That's just a universal thing. It doesn't matter if you're in a gang, you're out of a gang. Because if you snitch on some if you snitch on someone, they're going to want to get at you for snitching on them. As far as street code goes, I feel like that's based on whatever. It's not necessarily literally a street just because you're on a street code. That's more like gangs, like blood in, blood out. You know, these are the rules in order to be initiated into our gang. These are, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Like for the, for, I heard she said your blood. I guess Cardi B is a what? Um, a blood. She's a, she's a, she's a blood, right? So, or was she a crib? I can't remember, but whatever it was, she's she would blood. change. So she would change. She wouldn't say anything that started with this letter. And so that's why she used to always say funny words as opposed mm-hmm. to saying, saying them with a B as opposed to a C, I guess. So I guess she was a blood. Stupid shit like that. You know, I think each street gang makes up their own rules. And when you're initiated into that type of life, you know what the rules are, but outside of what those those rules are for a street gang, I think no snitching is like a universal thing. Like I feel like you don't have to be in a gang to know if you witness a rape. I mean, yeah, telling is the right thing to do. Being a witness is the right thing to do, but you still gotta know at the end of the day you're gonna be called a snitch. There's probably gonna be depending on who did the rape and who they're affiliated with. You're probably gonna have to go into wit set. So, I, you know, I think those are, I think snitching is a different thing than the street code because I think snitching is just like a whole, um, a, a universal, is, don't do that. You guys still there? I don't think, I don't think Augustus is still there though. Because yeah. it said something about like it took, it took us off. Yeah. Oh, it says you're Yeah, but I, I feel you on that one though. Um, just going off because, um, I feel you on that. Like, I've I I was born in New York, actually Manhattan, Washington Heights, in the in the time where a lot of drugs was happening, especially with like Bloods, Crips, and Latin Kings and all that stuff. So, um, and then going from there, going to Puerto Rico, um, and living on the streets—not living on the streets, but kind of like living really close to a ghetto in Puerto Rico. Like the street code, it it, it is real. It, it it is there like you don't snitch uh you you gotta hold on your own 
you got to do this. Like, who, who you hanging with? Yeah. So basically, like, what the Puerto Rican, like, living on the streets and not living on the streets, but being close to the ghetto in Puerto Rico, like, you knew what type of situations you had to, like, kind of, like, be to yourself and not say something. Because, I mean, I was a witness. I honestly was a witness of a pregnant lady getting stabbed. Like, I saw that while I was playing baseball with my, like, street baseball. You know, like, you play street baseball or whatever. I was a witness. It was the corner store. And I remember I was, like, what, eight years old? And this lady was coming back. Yeah, like, this lady was coming back at the corner store with this other girl. And her mans was there because the corner store sold alcohol over there. They sold liquor and food and all that stuff. So the dude was there with his with his side piece. So the pregnant woman comes in and confronts the, the confronts the man, and I guess his like side piece comes up and starts like yelling at her and all that stuff. And then she brings out a like a like a blade and whop, just goes right there and stabs her in the stomach. And I was like, oh, like what the hell just happened? So like you know that to me right there, like if a cop came and told me, it's like, what did you see? I would have been like, uh, I don't know. Two people got in a scuffle. Somebody got stabbed. And that's it. That's all I would have said myself. But if I would have said that my, you know, my parents, or my, actually, I was living with my grandparents. My grandparents would have, and they're religious. My grandparents would have said, leave that alone. Don't get involved. And then that's it. And, you know, go yeah, on your merry way. Oh, yeah. it's it's. I, I think minding your business, like I said, I don't, I honestly don't think that that's a, I know there is a street code, but I just don't think snitching or minding your business or not getting involved is a part of a street code. I think it's a survival code because you never know who you're snitching on and what that person or the people might do is capable of. Right. So it's just like, okay, I need to protect myself. I'm not a part of the streets, but I need to protect me and mine and in order for me to do that i'm not going to say anything about what i've seen because i don't want you know too much witness tampering you know i still want to lead a normal life and as sad as it is i feel like that's just that's just how it goes and i and i feel you on that and but let's say let, let me be like you know the other side and all and if you saw that and you know that this person did that would you feel safer if somebody snitched on that person and put them in jail? Or he or she put them in jail and had like, you know, five, seven years in jail for doing that or life, maybe life? Or would you feel safe that this person's still running the streets and still doing that? And that you could be the next subject of his or his or her, yeah, you know? Fair, I mean, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. Um, I think it's tricky, though. Like, I think... I, you know, I, I would love to, you know, be able to say, oh, okay, this person did that, put them in jail. If our justice system worked a little bit better, if you, if I felt like, you know, you could really be protected, then of course, you know, you would get that person up. But I just think you have to outweigh the pros and the cons. And, you know, sometimes there is no good way out of the situation. You know, telling is going to put you in a situation and not telling is going to put you in a situation. So you have to choose the better of two, you know, two evils sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think it all, all depends on the circumstances. Like 
if I see a car accident, I'm more prone to stay and tell the police what I saw and be a witness to a car accident than if I seen a murder. You know, am I willing to say to the police, yes, I seen this person that murdered this person? I, mm. I don't know. You know, that was, some things are more scary than others, so. Uh, yeah. And like, like jumping on that, um, going by the, going by that street code, quote unquote, and like I have my like, you know, my little hashtag fingers out and all that stuff. Like, I think it's more of, are you like, are you a real dude, or are you, you know, a sissified dude that is gonna be like, oh, you're gonna tattletale? Because you remember back in the day, like when you were a little kid in elementary school and all that stuff, they'd be like, don't be a tattletale. Nobody likes a tattletale. Yes. Even your mom was saying that. Like, don't be don't be that little motherfucker over there saying you a tattletale because ain't nobody like a tattletale. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, damn, like, like for real, like if I see somebody stealing something, I'm not going to say something? Like, I'm not going to tattletale? Right. So, and that's why I say it's universal, though. It's ingrained in you from the time that you're little. Even, even when it comes to exactly what you just said but also between siblings right mm -hmm. you know don't snitch on your brother or i don't want to hear all that tattling you know yeah. so it really really is something that's ingrained in almost everybody from the time that they're little and yeah. that's why I say, but i think i think the difference with the takashi 69 situation is that he was a part of it right so he wasn't just a witness to all of these things he was a member you know, and I think that makes stitching all the more worse just because he's stitching so that he can get reduced time. But I think, you I, know, it wasn't like he was a victim in this. Right. And I mean, I get that his his, his people, you know, rock or soldiers or whatever, whatever. But this is a part of the life that he chose to be in the things that he chose to do. Um, well, all he wanted to be was a rapper. Like, then they put it, all that gang stuff on him, right. too. But I give a man. But I, I, and, and, and I, and, and I get what Lauren is saying and everything like that uh, on, on what he, he basically is like, well, you, you kind of basically say you, you made your bed and I'll sleep in it. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, what I think that was happening in the, on this point, like, I don't necessarily think that he did all those things that they're trying to pin on him. I think that they're trying to recall him or they recalled him and they're trying to be like, oh, well, since you know these people, and all that stuff, and whatever they did is gonna go on you. So their spilt blood is on you. I, I, but he, I feel like he absolutely was a part of. He deserves. I mean, a Rico case makes all the sense. I don't, I don't know. I try not to keep up with that stuff, but a little bit that I did hear about it, and then the interviews that he gave on the Breakfast Club, I was like, he was just so cocky, so confident, like he couldn't be touched, and so. You know, he deserves what he gets. And which obviously not a lot. I, I hear he's probably supposed to be getting out next year, but yeah, you right. know, if somebody kills him where he stands, you know. I mean, I, 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 I feel you on that one, and at the same time, I feel him on how he's like, well, you guys did this to me, and you guys made my life miserable like this. Now this is my chance for payback for you guys. Because what really resonated on me was the fact that he denied witness protection program. So I'm like, either this kid is an idiot and doesn't know what serious situation that he's in, or he's actually trying to do, trying to make a statement and tell them, you guys screwed me over. 
And I found out that you guys did this to me. Now you guys are going to go to hell for that. But one thing we will see, sometimes you reap what you sow and you got to understand the lifestyle that you are involved in. So uh, on that one, we'll switch over to something a little bit more positive. I'm all ears on this one. John's all ears on this one. Lauren, what's this whole 30 all about? Oh, man. So the whole 30 is this challenge that I just got finished with. Super exciting. Um, so just to give a little bit of background about how I got here, uh, a couple of, a couple months ago, I had gotten really sick. Um, my doctors thought I had lupus. I had this Ooh. big butterfly-like rash over my face. Um, I was having really bad pain in my hip and my back, down my legs. And so, you know, lupus is an uh, inflammatory disease and it has where you get this rash over your face that can cause body aches and pains and stuff like that. And so um, while I was waiting for my test results and things to come back, I was um, reading up on all these anti-inflammatory diets, things that would kind of make you feel better or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I came up, I did a sugar detox. I did a 10 day sugar detox um, where I didn't have any sugar, or at least I thought I did. And it was a really good 10 days. Like I, um, uh, once I, once I got over the, the sugar withdrawal, I started to have, you know, a good amount of energy and I started to feel better. Um, and so my, and I said, I don't know what am I doing for these 10 days? And so a coworker was like, oh, you should try the whole 30. It's kind of like what you're doing. And I had never heard of it, but he brought me the book. He went home on lunch break that day. He brought me the book. So basically, the Whole30 is a program where for 30 days, you do not do the following things. You cannot consume added sugar, real or artificial. No alcohol in oh, any that's form. Hard. Not even that's hard. Uh, yeah, that is. <laughs> no grain. That's hard. <laughs> uh, no... Legumes. Okay. No dairy, except for eggs. Um, no carrageenan, MSG, or sulfates. You can't consume any baked goods, junk foods, or oh drink. man, okay. Um, and then you can't step on the scale for or take any body measurements for thirty days. Um. So. So what did you eat? The whole point of doing it for thirty days. Uh, you know what? That's a, that's a good question. I ate a lot of stuff. I like I ate a lot of stuff that I had never even thought about eating before. So when it comes down to breakfast food, breakfast, all that you really can eat is eggs mm. and bacon. But here's the thing. I didn't even know that bacon is cured in sugar. Mm. So I have to buy this special bacon. The uncured one? And so what's so cool about Whole30? The uncured bacon? Uh, yeah, well, it's uncured sugar-free bacon. Because there is still some um, uncured bacon that some, that somehow has sugar in it. I don't know where the sugar comes from. But you will notice, like, on this diet, almost everything has sugar. Like, I used to buy, like, chicken strips to cut up and put in my salads or whatever. They have sugar in it. Cane, pure cane sugar they put in the ingredients. So on this, you'll read a lot of the ingredients and everything. Um, and you'll notice how much sugar is a part of so much that we do. But I ate... Um, eggs and then i had to buy this bacon uh this no sugar bacon it was what's the bacon good yeah it's not bad it's 6.99 but it's six thousand ninety nine cents for like six oh man <laughs> that's expensive bro i've seen you online you were talking about like turkey bacon was it pork or turkey bacon they have both they have both 
and I and I ate them both. I actually prefer the pork bacon over the turkey bacon, but they do have both. Um, so I ate eggs and bacon almost every day. When I got tired of eating eggs and bacon, I would take a break and have bananas and watermelon for breakfast. Um, I cooked my eggs in avocado oil, which is um really good for you. And the basically this is a high fat diet, so you have to have fat with almost every, a good fat with almost every meal. So I I used to do a lot of avocado okay. oil. Um, and the cool thing about that is it keeps you from hmm. being hungry. Like I swear for the first 15 days, I really didn't even have an appetite. I had to eat, but you didn't have an appetite. I ate, you know, chicken, fish. Um, some of the ones that I tried that I hadn't had before was like ahi hmm. tuna steak, which was really good. I had a lot of broccoli, cauliflower. Um, and then, and then I just, I, I had for the first time, I made uh, hamburger patties with sweet potato buns. Oh my God, it was oh, delicious. Wow. So, um, and then even when I didn't want to make the sweet potato buns to eat with the hamburger patty, I ate plain hamburger patty, seasoned it with avocado oil and sea salt and green beans. Okay. And it was amazing. Like it just, it wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be. It's a lot of meat, uh, a lot of vegetables, fruit, eggs, and bacon is basically. So what did I you um? You said um. I lost. Sorry, you said like cauliflower and stuff like that. So did you do like the cauliflower rice and stuff like that, or was that not not allowed? I tried cauliflower rice. I didn't care for it. Um. I so I I ate a lot of this. I ate a lot okay. of broccoli. Um, is what I mainly ate. Um, broccoli and green beans. I did. I like regular cauliflower, so I had cauliflower. But like the rice cauliflower, the cauliflower, uh, the mashed cauliflower, uh, it wasn't really my cup of tea. But it's you know something that you can't eat on the whole thirty. Um, and so basically, after you have detoxed your body from all this sugar and all these things that you are um, that are you know that are in your body from eating so poorly. Um, they allow you, the reason for 30 days is because they want you to see how it feels, how you feel without it. And then they want you to reintroduce certain foods one at a time. So, uh, bread, for instance, after your whole 30, you reintroduce bread for one day. And then you go back to your whole 30, uh, type of eating and you see how that bread affects your body. If your face breaks out, if you start mm. to have stomach pain and you reintroduce, you know, each food group one at a time and see how it affects your body so that way you know what kind of symptoms what kind of symptoms they're causing uh the food that you eat are causing you and i'll tell you one of the biggest things for me was my mood my anxiety mm. and my depression so when i started the whole 30 i had just came off of a um off of a broken oh injury. man that sucks uh i cried every single no, yeah, I cried, but I cried every single day. Like, I was so sad, and I just could not help. I cried every day. Mm. I want to say, like, after the first three days into my whole 30, I, I still felt sad, but, like, I didn't have, I, I didn't cry anymore. I didn't have anxiety. My anxiety was bad to where the point where, like, I, it was like a, a physical mm. pit in my stomach. Uh, I didn't have, I hadn't had an anxiety attack since I started it. And I found myself just generally like nothing special going on, but just in a better mood and I felt okay. happy. Um, my face did clear up. It turns out I did not have lupus, um, which is a good thing. Uh, but my face started to clear up be better on that when I was on the diet. 
it wasn't completely clear, but it looked much better than it did. And at the end of it, I lost 16 pounds. And wow. You know, um, and I want to keep going. Um, you know, it's just it was just awesome. It was just an awesome experience. It just, and, it just feel really good. And there's so many not what they call non-scale victories that you get from it outside of, you know, losing the weight. There's a lot of other things that you get from it. And when you come off of it, it's like, dang, I don't even want to go back to eating that. I don't even want a bag of chips anymore. Right. I don't need bread, you know, anymore. So I just encourage everyone to try it. It's just 30 days. It won't kill you. In fact, it'll make you stronger, happier glowing skin so like so so when you, when you were saying like the selective job uh, not jobs but the selective foods and stuff like that like basically what reactions were you getting off of like oh well i ate like let's say you ate corn or something like that or like whatever um milk milk was my biggest culprit like milk gave me uh <laughs> gas it made my stomach like turn and do all okay. kinds of flips. Um, when I eat, um, oh, what was it? What did I have? I can't even remember what I had. I had something. I want to say it was something which it was sugar, basically something with some sugar in it. Um, after I after I completed the whole thirty, and my face started to get a little bit dry. It wasn't as like uh smooth and uh. I guess it like produces this natural oil now because my face really does glow all the time, but it mm. started to get a little bit dry. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, this may affect me this way and this may affect me that way. And, you know, eating sugar period puts, makes me sluggish. Um, when I finished my whole 30 and I went back to normal eating, my bowel movements weren't as good or as frequent. Um, when I was a whole 30, I slept like a baby like I had some of the best sleep of my life when I was on the whole 30 um since I've come off of it and I haven't gotten back on it yet um my sleep patterns are you know I was up during the middle of the night I haven't really been sleeping through the night and a lot of those things just come from okay. what you're eating okay because it's like so there's a whole, they have a whole website the book they have um so they they partner with all these different companies. So like Walmart has Whole30 approved frozen meals. There's Whole30 approved. Cause like when this first came out, you had to, you had to make your own ketchup, your own mayo, your own dressing. Like you couldn't really eat anything outside of your home. Um, but it's a really big movement if you look into it. So they have all these things you can buy in the store now. Like I have Whole30 approved grilled chicken strips for my salad. I have Whole30 approved salad dressing. I have Whole30 approved uh, uh, frozen meals. I don't buy the ketchup or the um. Mayo. What? It's expensive. It's like ten dollars for some ketchup. Uh, so I just forego <laughs> the ketchup. But uh, it's a really popular movement. You should look into it. The books on Amazon for like seventeen dollars. Uh, it has a whole bunch of recipes in there. I'm not a big cook, so I stuck to what was easy. Like I said, I baked chicken. Bake some or uh seared some fish, you know, that's what I ate for thirty days. Eggs, bacon, fish, broccoli. And it was a it was a good experience. Definitely it sounds like and that kind of brings me to I had seen an article on Facebook about this woman they said that was like in her eighties that cured herself of dementia because she changed her diet 
I mean, I know some people, they, you know, say, oh, well, don't believe in this or that or the hoodoo stuff and this, you know, but really changing your eating and your lifestyle, it can really change like a lot of things for you. So um, definitely try to do your best. I know for me, like I've began or begun to do a lot of intermittent fasting um, and that actually helps out as well. Like I feel like I just have way more energy than before. And I've slowly tried to tweak some different things as far as my eating. Like I haven't drank a soda in a while. I know yeah, those first few days terrible. Like, I'm talking about yeah, yeah. That withdrawal is something serious. Boy, Coke was my me too. Favorite. Coke is my thing. Yeah, and I mean it. the brown, not the white. So you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to put that out there, but. You know, so yeah, but Coke is like one of my favorite drinks. I I love to have a, a nice Ooh, cold Coke Tahitian or Tahitian fruit, fruit uh, drink. But yeah, them, yeah, and those things they have so much sugar in them. But I, I mean, it's been over a month. I haven't, you know, picked up a Coke or a soda, and it feels good, you know. So yeah, and shout out to uh, my fellow, you know, committee podcast members. You know, they definitely have been on like a fit gang journey, like where they're doing exercises. I think it's like every day until sometime in new, in November. I mean, all of that, it, it really does help out. And I'm so glad that you don't have lupus and that you do feel better. We'll definitely talk a little bit more exclusively about that. But I'm just wrapping things up and putting the bow on, on it. Uh, anything um, else I want to get out there or. No, I just, um, I'm going to say real quick, I didn't, I'm going to be doing another whole 30. Um, it's always cool to have a support system and someone do it with you. So if you want to join me, Adolphus, let's talk about a day to start. I'll get you up with the book. I, uh, I just feel like once I get my, my hip, my hip and my back pain that I actually had mm. comes from a, um, I have a herniated disc and a pinched nerve. So when I was doing the whole 30, I never got rid of that pain because um, it comes from an actual ailment. So I wasn't able to exercise with it. So once I get that taken care of, like I'm really excited to do it again and incorporate exercise and see if I can lose like 30 pounds in 30 days. So Ooh, I mean, I'll, I'll do it with you. <laughs> Try it with me next time. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. We should We should do that then. Right. Yeah, we'll link up and do a whole 30. Um, I, I actually I also have the herniated disc as well in my back. I have multiple ones and a pinch in there. But I mean, I can't do as much as I used to do, but I still try to get out there and walk and lift some light, some light, light weights. And I mean, and I know See, this gonna sound. We didn't talk about that. You didn't get your, your you didn't get yours fixed. Your, your pinch nerve, they're still there. Yeah, it's still there. I mean, I do like yoga on occasion or I do some stretching like they like, honestly, once I started stretching, just even stretching my hamstrings, that kind of relieves a lot of excess stress on my back. Hey, but, man, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I still take pain meds and all that for the backs. But, yeah. you know, I, I, can try, barely, yeah, I just try I to can, get out there. <laughs> I can't hmm? walk. I can barely walk and I limp everywhere yeah. and I take a lot of pain meds and it doesn't yeah. work, so. I think I'm yep. going to have surgery. Yeah, but, but. Ooh, I don't know. I think, I think, I think this is going to, because me being diabetic type 1, okay. um, which is like uh, uh, juvenile diabetes, 
I think something like this will help me out a lot because uh, I mean, if a lot of people don't know, it, I can my sugar can go really low or really high. So and you kind of kind of like a little bit dependent on sugar a little bit if you don't control it. But I really want to give this a try because, man, this I got an insulin pump. And every time I go to the endocrinologist, man, he keeps on putting more insulin in me. And I'm like, man, something got to give. There's Something has to change. Oh, yeah, because they, you know, they're not really concerned on yeah. actually healing the issue. They want to continue to see. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I know all about that one. <laughs> but, um. Final thoughts. Give out you guys a social, right, so, yeah, just, social uh, medias John, and you know, John, we'll wrap it all follow up. me at um, at jcruzsellsrealestate.com on my Facebook tag. Um, I'm always putting some inspirational things in there. If you just want to talk um, and and talk politics or anything like that, I'm into politics too. So just holler at me. Thank you, um, Dolph, for bringing me to this uh, podcast and um, picking my brains on everything. Um, I don't have a Twitter. I got an Instagram. So do you have, I do a have Twitter? An Instagram is uh John Tech one one one. Um, follow okay, me on Instagram, Instagram on there too. So um, I hope that you invite me for the future ones that you have on these podcasts. I really did enjoy my night today with you guys. Thank you for inviting me and um having a conversation with me today. Okay, definitely. And Lauren, I mean. You know, Adolphus, I don't really do social media like that, but I'm Ashley 87 on Twitter and on Instagram. <laughs> uh, don't add me because I probably won't ever check it. But it was really good to be back. I, I appreciate hey, man, any day on. we can go John, back and forth and stuff like that. I love that <laughs> topic. A lot of people scare from it, but that's a really good topic. You learn a lot from a lot of people doing knowing their their political inclination and what they like and all that stuff so all right well we are the committee podcast uh shout out to everybody that came on uh this week definitely appreciate you guys um you know definitely follow me at ac3 savage on twitter uh love killer trey on instagram and follow the committee podcast at uh committee pod you know uh once again We ain't doing nothing. We just kicking it and we out.